Hello and welcome to another episode of Stalking Carpenter. The Story Screen presents exclusive content podcast where I, Mike Burge, who has recently become aware that my yelling on the podcast is not very appreciated. And so, today, Fitz will discuss... <laughs> Who told? Did someone tell Ooh, you wow. you were yelling? Did someone tell you you were no, yelling? No, no. And honestly, you, Robbie, you Robbie, appreciate it. Robbie, yeah. if you could maybe just bring it down just oh, a little sorry. bit. I'll move it back here. Just bring it down. This is a nice, easy, sorry. soothing podcast. That's something to fall asleep to. As you can, as you can hear, dear listener, um, my partner in Carpenter Crime, Robert Anderson, is with hey. us today as well, as how's, always. How's it going? Stalking Carpenter is, of course, as you know, a podcast where we are discussing the many films of one American director named John Carpenter. What's his middle name? Hamilton. That's just not true. You don't know. I, I do know you, it's it's Hamilton. I thought you and knew all the movies. I I do know it's Hamilton, and if it's not Hamilton, then I'm just wrong. But I do know that it's Hamilton, so don't say I don't know. Anyway, guys, welcome. We're gonna be wow. talking about some pretty cool movies today. Uh, it's a little bit of a late recording. Yeah. Uh, we are in uh, turbulent times where absolutely nothing is certain, and we're all gonna fucking die. And that's um, that's, that's certain. Yeah, death, death well, is, I guess that's cer- that death is, is certain, certain yeah. at all times. If if no other time more apparent than now, um, we are recording in uh, early December of the year 2020. For those listening in the futuristic post-apocalypse, somehow you found a way to be able to do this, and that is not the first time that we've made this joke. But I think it's the first time we've made the joke in 2020, so it's relevant. Is uh, maybe? I think it's the first one that we've really made that joke. We used to just, just say that. Remember, twenty sixteen and on it has it's been a little bit of like a post apocalypse. It's crazy. It's crazy that times we used to bitch about were like this is so much worse than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And we in in you know in twenty sixteen even in twenty even in the year of our Lord twenty fifteen, remember being yeah. like, hey, everything sucks. Yeah, and we're little, white men. And we're white guys, yeah. It's yeah. pretty easy. Yeah. All for us considered. to be upset, shit's got to be pretty fucked up. Maybe. Or we're sensitive. I don't know. Anyway, this, is what, people, the, uh, this is what people pay to hear behind the cast fence. A couple of white guys talking about, <laughs> talking about John Carpenter movies. <laughs> <laughs> but Ooh. no, this is actually, this is a big one because we have been, uh, I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, this is your first time tuning in. Odd episode to pick, but you also might have amazing taste. Uh we are talking about John Carpenter's filmography in order. I have seen all of them. Robbie had only seen a few of them, and those few were earlier on, and they've already been taken care of. And yes. we are now knee-deep in 90s uh, Carpenter. Uh, we're getting towards the end of his run. Uh, today we're going to be talking about two movies, both released in 1995, interestingly enough. Uh, we're going to be talking about In the Mouth of Madness and Village of the Damned. I always wanted to say Children of the Damned. I said it in my head the entire well, time. That's the sequel. Oh, there's a sequel. Yep. It's what's, not the name, what's the name of the original one? Is it is it Village or Children? It's Village of the Damned. Okay. And it's it's based off of like the... the, the There's a book? My Cuckoo Misfits or something like that. I don't know. Ah, My Cuckoo Misfits. My yeah. Cuckoo Misfits. I think yeah. I have a hot chocolate that's called that. Yeah. Would you look at a cup of My Cuckoo Misfits? My, my Cuckoo Misfits. My Cuckoo Biscuits. <laughs> my Cuckoo Biscuits. That's not what it's, that's not what it's called. I need it. Um, yeah. So we're 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 we're, we're talking we're, we're we're talking that carpenter. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, so we're going to break into some spoilers and stuff like that. Uh, if this is uh, not your first Stalking Carpenter cast, you kind of know how it works. If it is your first, we're going to just cover movie by movie. We might tread a little bit into Village of the Damned while we talk about In the Mouth of Badness first, since it was released first. Uh, and then we'll slowly get on over to Village of the Damned. Um, so, Robbie, up front, In the Mouth of Madness, you had not seen it up until recent times. Yes. Tell, t- tell me... And I guess more importantly, the listeners, what did you think of John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness? Uh, I thought it was good. I really liked it. Um, it was it's 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 kind of a for us uh, as as doing Stalking Carpenter. It's it's a, ref, a return to form in some ways, um, even though Body Bags is, is kind of like in some ways like the most John Carpenter thing ever. But uh yeah, so it was it was cool seeing him back doing doing movie style, um, and yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, it was very Lovecraftian. I, I'm not sure if it's it's inspired from a Lovecraft book or it is it, okay. I wasn't sure if it was him just being like I'm actually doing full mm-hmm. Lovecraft now, or it's inspired directly from that. Um, but it's cool. It's, it's, it's very interesting in the way that it's like meta contextual. It's uh, I thought like visually it was very interesting. I thought Sam Neill was just great. Um, you know, I think was the last time we saw him was uh, well, I don't know the last time you saw him. The last time I saw him was in Invisible Man, right? Because he's he's the antagonist or memoirs of Invisible Man, isn't he? The bad oh guy? yes, memoirs yeah. of the Invisible Man. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. you had no idea what I meant. Until I thought I... you were talking about uh, twenty twenty uh, Invisible no. Man. I was like, I don't think Sam Neill was in that. I wish he I... was. Um, so yeah, it was cool seeing him. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, in that movie too, like it took a while for me to get into that one. And I'm not sure if that's, uh, well, it's certainly on me, but I wasn't sure if it was like the mood I was in or just like, I, I was looking for something that the movie wasn't giving me at first. And then, uh, then by the end of it, I really enjoyed it. I really liked the movie's attitude. Um, and you know, like what was in the back of my head the entire time I was watching it. And it's probably just cause I'm a fucking virgin, but, uh, you know, the new, the new Dr. Strange movie. Is called the the multiverse of madness, and I kept thinking, I'm just like, I wonder how this. And maybe you know, after talking about this movie for a sufficient amount of time, we can talk about what what the new Doctor Strange movie could be pulling from this in what ways, or is it pulling from the book? I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, overall, I enjoyed it. I really liked it. I will say though, um, you know, as much as I liked it, like I, I think I'm I, I I worry that we're hitting a point with our john carpenter watch along that i'm like it is the greatest seems to be behind us the best of the best seems to be behind us i don't know because i liked i liked in the mouth of madness a lot but it, it didn't hit like you know for me like as much of it's like a directly inspired lovecraftian story like in a lot of ways like the thing is kind of like more of like a lovecraftian story to me uh and the things i know about it but um yeah, and I, yeah, I, but I really liked it. I really liked it. I'm excited. I'm excited to discuss it. That's my soapbox. I'm done. No, yeah, it's. I'm glad you dug it. Uh, In the mouth of madness. Uh, the movie title is a play on uh, one of H.P. Lovecraft's works, At the Mountains of Madness. There's obviously a bunch of Lovecraftian stuff in there. Cthulhu even gets a shout out at one point. You know, it's very much uh, taking a lot of Stephen King tropes, which John Carpenter was really good friends with Stephen King at that point, because why the fuck wouldn't those two be friends? And the, and they uh, and Christine, right? And Christine, yeah, Bought and even together. like the the writer of this, Michael DeLuca, mm-hmm. he wrote uh, the Lawnmower Man movie, which is based off of a of a King story. So yeah, everybody's in the wheelhouse in the family, and they even name drop King in the movie too yeah, where it's I like, like that yeah, yeah like that they're having fun the movie is um insanely fun it's wild that it came out in 1995 um it's one of my favorite john carpenters uh it's definitely my favorite of his um of the 90s and that's saying a lot um because uh the 90s also has memoirs of an invisible man which i didn't even remember existed until about five minutes ago his best movie yeah his best movie of course yeah. it, it's the reason that he took his name off the title yeah, because and, you know, he was like, this and, one must be special. And what's funny is like, you know, after watching a movie that I thought was kind of just like <laughs> fine, like they like uh, they live, you know, that movie is is it's fine, but sure. memoirs of Invisible Man, mm-hmm. um, that's it, man. It really is. That's it. it. Really that's is all. It. That's it. Yeah. I'm so. sorry to I'm sorry to interrupt though. 
No, no, no. You brought up By my favorite means, mo- You brought I, up my I, favorite John Carpenter it can, movie. It can be hard. I, I'm the exact same way when people bring up Joker. I just, I can't stop but, like, talk about it, you know? Oh, I know it. Don't I know it? Ooh. Um, yeah, I love In the Mouth of Madness. I think it's, uh, it, I think, hot take, I think it's got Sam Neill's best performance, and I know that that's a pretty intense thing to say. That's a little, that's a little spicy for me, even. But I think that Sam Neill is on another level in this. Uh, at least for me, if you're watching it kind of clocked in on the things, I've seen this movie loads of times and it is every time you watch it, the more and more you kind of break down and, and are aware of what the movie, it, what the movie's leading to, even though in your first watch, you kind of know that he's going to go insane based on like the little prologue that you get. It really is fun to kind of see all of the little things that slowly actually drive Sam Neill insane Little by little, and for Sam Neill to start playing that more and more and more, just the very fact that he's he's stated that he's from New York, but he keeps his New Zealand accent, and it's not it's not explained was, at all. I also thought that was strange. And we know that he can do an American accent because he does one in uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Like it's not great, but uh, it's 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 not this level where he's really just kind of doing it. And I think there's all these little fun things that the movie does um, and whether or not they are by choice or design is lost to time. And we will not know. (laughs) Um, But I think it all like adds to just the insanity of this movie. I think this movie is one of the most literal crazy movies I've ever seen. Some really cool techniques in it to to add to it. It's like absurdity and things like that. Um, I think, I think it's one of John Carpenter's best shot movies. I think it looks amazing. I think that this is something that we kind of discussed with uh, memoirs as well, which I think will keep coming up just because of like its place in in his oeuvre. being being the best John Carpenter. It's movie. just the the early '90s were a very weird time because, um, like mood and tones had changed since the '80s, but aesthetics really didn't, and so that's how you get that kind of cheesy '90s vibe because you're just like they have the the 90s just wasn't ready to let go of the 80s as far as like films go and it wasn't until like you really started getting into the later 90s when things like titanic and stuff really kind of started changing the game in what people wanted and what people expected from either lowbrow or highbrow cinema there's a lot of stuff especially in like 94 95 and 96 that are just like really you can't help but smell the 90s on this thing. Like, the hardcore rock music that John Carpenter's playing while a book's being printed I in, like, the opening credits. I thought that was such a strange credits. choice for this it, of all movies, you know? Exactly, but, like... Where he makes synth it music. It wasn't like, strange it would be, in the 90s. It was not know, strange. They were like, yes, of course, this. And it's it's just such a fun thing. It's like the, like the MTVing of culture uh, is all yeah. over this movie. And... It's it's uh, it's a blast. I love this movie so much. Yeah, it's very cool, and it's you know it's interesting kind of looking back on this movie and and just seeing kind of like what Lovecraft inspired works have become. Like in twenty twenty, we saw Lovecraft Country. You know, there's games and stuff, and you know one of the things I read about this movie and about like John Carpenter's kind of like it, it, there there's something about the Cthulhu mythos that is like kind of like a contributors mythos like it's it's extended by various artists it's not like so much just belonging to lovecraft it mm-hmm. it kind of like extends as people add to it in it's a like way. star wars yeah yeah that's actually mm-hmm. very yeah for sure um and and you know this movie definitely like fits right in there yeah i definitely thought um it's so funny that it starts with the rock music when it's like john carpenter known for synthwave music mm-hmm. you know what would, would go really good right here right now is some of that, but hey, man, it's cool. I also I rocked out during that song. Well, it's rocking. I rocked out. Like, and this rocked, is you're I gonna you're gonna out. see all of his like all of his movies pretty much from here on out. Like that he scores. He uh, he he does some he does some uh, electric Weird guitar. Stuff. He's he's into it now. Like that's like he just got into the '90s and he was like, well, yeah, electric guitar is like the Nirvana. way to do it now. Yes, yeah. Nirvana. I mean, and there's like a little bit of that in like they live. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, well, they all have it some like sometimes, you know, yeah. I guess it's really in the early 80s and stuff like, like Halloween's like, you know, it's straight up a synth, 
you know. But then in the new Halloween, like they They specifically they add electric guitar to it. That's true. It that's where you get that. Like I forget that the isn't in the the original Halloween because I'm like, oh, it's so ingrained in there now. That new Halloween theme fucking slaps so good. It slaps, man. The whole score is fucking good, man. Um, yeah, I liked I liked uh, th- that idea that he's like contributing to the overall mythos, which then also made me like a lot of other movies that, in in theory, have contributed to the mythos of Cthulhu. Uh, I also liked. I think I read something that he refers to this as like an apocalypse trilogy. I think it was this mm-hmm. Prince of Darkness and the Thing. If yep. I, am I correct? And uh, that also like again like kind of like added a, another layer, you know, outside of the movie. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting to see them have that thread you know mm-hmm. um and yeah it's it's cool it's a cool movie it's weird it's a cool weird movie i think it's not pulling any punches i think no. it's not afraid to get weird and kind of subvert stuff like one of my favorite moments and i was waiting for it to happen i was watching it with uh, my sweet sweet pumpkin diana oh, um you have a pumpkin she's my little pumpkin she's my little she's my little pumpkin uh it there's a moment where um the uh the like like the the assistant character that turns into like the uh like kind of uh retroactive like love interest out of nowhere linda uh she, yeah. she this she adds just, to the absurdity no she starts the to, she like tries to kiss him at one point and it's she's one being of, you know because she's being to, written yes. and it's being yeah. written like that and uh it's I've seen some people break the movie down, like those weird moments that happen. And like when we watched that, Diana was like, where the fuck did that come from? What the fuck is this? And I'm like, I have to be quiet. I'm like, you, that's, that's like going to be revealed. It's like every time the story starts to slow down, Sutter Kane writes in something that would be like a movie thing. Like, oh, have the girl kiss the guy or, oh, have an action set piece, have something explode, you know? And it's just like, or have something like super scary and gruesome for no reason at all. Yeah, I, I definitely believe that this movie is probably really fun to to rewatch, and it's definitely one of the more like I think open for interpretation movies that Carpenter has. Sure, um, and that's that's off the top of the dome. Like I haven't done my research on that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's kind of like know. the the whole point of the movie is kind of just like the ending of the thing, where you're just like, is either one of them the thing? Is neither of them? Does it yeah. matter? Which what what is it? Yeah. I, I definitely found the the idea of like the the kind of more like uh, like concrete action of like like what the stakes are or the bigger stakes of the movie, which is like the as people read it, this infection like spreads, you know, which is an allegory for kind of like the power of the artist or the power of the author and 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 that. And I thought you know that was only like a little hard for me to track because I was just like this almost makes like two. It's like two in some strange way grounded for what this movie is. But, but I also liked it. Like it, it definitely, I I think you're tapping into the thing that I love the most about the movie, which is it is pure insanity Mm -hmm. and it's dealing with insanity and the spread of insanity. And they are so good at grounding this insanely high level concept that it almost seems like, I feel like I should be trying harder to understand what's going on, but they're very good at just being like, listen, you read it. You go insane, right? Let's show you some examples real quick. And you're like, yeah. okay, I guess I kind of understand that. And then as things get crazier and crazier, you're like, okay, so like, am I in the book right now? Is that what's going on? Right. Or And then you find out the whole thing's been the book and that the whole movie has been this thing. that It, it kind of just starts folding in on itself to where you start feeling a little crazy because yeah. you're understanding it so well and because like you feel so comfortable with it and that i think is like you know that's the prestige of the whole movie is sure. like the reveal that the movie that you have been watching is this movie that's supposed to that has driven the world insane yeah. you know and that you're just sitting there kind of laughing and smiling in your seat with Sam Neill and like going insane together and then that's that kick ass electric guitar riff just start, Fucking kicks it around the credits. Uh, Hayden Christensen in this movie. Oh, hey man, cute. can you believe it? Like I, I didn't know until I was looking at the IMDb and they're like Bicycle Boy. I was like Bicycle Boy. Yeah. He's now this is boy. Pod Racing. Look at mm-hmm. that. Yeah, uh, there's other cameos it. to talk about in other movies soon. But um, oh, many. Oh, many. 
I think I have I have the most special one that you may already know. I already figured it out. I just might. Mm. But uh, yeah, it, it, I you know I really like uh, it's Scudder Kane, right? Sutter Kane. Sutter Kane. Um, Sutter Kane. I really, I, I really like his character. I really like his like uh, evil mind writing palace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish my writer's room looked more like that. I wish it was there was more blood on the walls. You just have to try hard. That's true. I have to try hard. Uh, I like a lot of the set design in this movie, especially when it gets like really crazy. I like the even like the weird like space hallway as he's running away. I was like, I don't know how the, this fits, the, but I'm into it. <laughs> the coveted wall of monsters. Yeah, it took, yeah, that was took something very like cool. took something like thirty people to operate that thing. Yeah, and it's really like, good. It, one minute of and it's it's all footage. done awesomely, practically. Like with uh, animatronics and like people in suits and puppets and all this crazy stuff. It's just, uh, it's very cool. It's wild. Yeah. No, I really, I, I really like the, uh, I have a taste for absurdism. I really appreciate the absurdism of this movie. And then like, you know, even some of like the more basic, uh, technical things like, uh, driving through a tunnel where it's nighttime and then exiting when it's daytime, like, it's you know, and, stuff, and like man. stuff like that, that's. That's fairly quote unquote easy to do, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not as hard as Wall of Monsters, but it's 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 as impactful. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, also, it's, it's him learning yeah. even more tricks this late in his career. Him him doing that's, even that's more a, innovation. That's a key that's a key you thing know? is that he's while while the quality of his films might start to degrade, because I will be I, I, I'll be the first to admit that, you know, putting this up against things like Escape from New York, The Thing, Halloween, memoirs They Live, Man. Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Right. Like, th- these are different, t- these are very different types of movies that we're talking about. And In the Mouth of Madness is just a movie that really plays into my specific demographic of like what I want out of like a horror movie about insanity. And John Carpenter just did it back then. If, if In the Mouth of Madness came out, in like 2018, it would be an A24 movie, and people would be fucking losing their minds about it. Uh, who would Noah Hawley would be directing it? Uh, yeah, Noah Hawley, Ari Aster. I'd, I'd watch that. Yeah, <laughs> I watch those movies. Um, um, that's a good. That is a good point. Yeah, it does. You know, that is a good point to to bring up just how well uh, or how easy the movie is to follow, even for its like kind of like multiple layers of um meta commentary happening and stuff right and it uses really good example you know i really love the um did you know my favorite color was blue scene mm-hmm. and then oh, like looking looking back and noticing that like a lot of the characters have blue eyes which mm-hmm. is like super straight you know all these i i am very excited to eventually watch the movie again that's um, cool because i think that i will like it even more not to say and i and i did like it i did like it a lot i thought it was very i thought it was mm-hmm. very interesting it had me thinking about it after it's after it's a type it. of movie like it's a good thanksgiving movie believe it or not interestingly enough um you know it's you gotta appreciate a movie too that kind of tackles the kind of themes that it's dealing with so quickly the movie's like an hour and a half and also yeah. in such a fun laid-back way you know, mm-hmm. like it's it's not taking itself too seriously. You can tell they're kind of having fun with the idea, but still executing it very well. And, you know, I think one thing that we could say about John Carpenter is even though he usually is dealing with some pretty fun, heavy ideas from time to time, he's a very blue collar artist. He's very down to earth and he doesn't he doesn't want to trip you up too much. He's not interested in making movies that seem smarter than other people. Not that that's a problem. I actually enjoy a lot of movies that are much smarter than me because like they're fun to try and crack. But I don't think he's interested in creating something that you need to crack. He wants to create something and and kind of hold your hand at the beginning so that you know where it's going, so that you're taking the same ride that he is. I don't think he wants to alienate any audience member. Uh, you know, I think he wants everyone to be able to watch his movies. Um, and, and I think you know, there's there's only a certain kind of someone who wouldn't be into covered movies, whether they don't like horror, or whether I, I don't know. Um, cause I think his movies really, I think the reason he has such like widespread appeals, cause his movies like are very, they have a lot of depth to it. They can be very cerebral, but, but watching them in the moment, it's a roller coaster. You know, he does that very well. And yeah, I, I do like that analogy, the blue collarism of his directing. Cause like his movies have no frills, right? 
There's no foo. There's no foo foo frills. Like there's no I like mean, fancy smants. Like I think that there is some stuff that's not intentional. I think that, okay. and that's why he's so respected. I mean, you look at Halloween, and especially like our deep dive video that we did on Halloween and how he builds fear. There is some very intense craft and hands on sure. precision going on there. But I don't think that he considers that floofy. He's kind of like, this is what I'm trying to do. So. Th- yeah, I mean more, I guess when I say that... And no, like and no I'm frills. agreeing with you, yeah. yeah. Like, I think that yeah. he, even if we, as, like, retrospective audience members are kind of looking back and we're like, he's one of the greatest horror directors of all time. When he's making these movies, I think, first and foremost, he's like, I want to make a good movie. He's yeah. not really trying to blow the bars away with anything, you know, which is like when he makes something like Memoirs of an Invisible Man, he creates an accidental masterpiece and he just takes his yes. name off it because he's such a humble man. Well, he's not but yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100%. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, frills can be cool, right? You know, there's a reason. Well, we're like, going to see some frills pretty soon, actually. Sure. So well, I might want to just stop for a second. I was going to say, well, you know, like someone like James Cameron, right? James Cameron is like frills incarnate in this analogy where he mm-hmm. he's like, I will take all of the money and all of the technology and me as an insane person and I will I will make something that is fucking nuts you know he will he will right. he will use all of his power to make something and like and, and, you know in terms of frills like this movie has gold trim you know mm-hmm. like that's like what Titanic is or Avatar right. or like a lot of these movies you know John Carpenter is is not that you know I'm sure he's had big budgets for a lot of his movies but they ne- they all feel humble in that way mm-hmm. and the thing is like both need to coexist for for that for movies as the medium to elevate itself you know you need both I like a good James Cameron movie so I can talk about how it's not as good as whatever cuz I'm a little piece of shit um I don't like Avatar I agree that's yeah. it yeah um, oh you don't like Avatar I don't like Avatar it's fine how it many times good. how many times good. how many times did you see it I think I saw it twice in theaters. Oh, fucking theaters, little fuck boy! Look yeah. at you. I saw it in three D, dog. Where you thought, going? And I was just like, you going? You going and smooching, smooching, smooching some girls? No, nah, I smooched some, smooch some girls during uh, the the first Star Trek movie. That was fun. The motion I saw picture. That in, the motion picture. Nineteen seventy nine. Yeah, back. Yeah. I'm old. Star Trek 09? That's the one. You That's, know that I Star Trek 09 was mostly, and this is all hearsay. But do you know that Star Trek 09 was almost nominated for Best Picture uh, at the Academy Awards? Because that was, be? that was the first year that they did 10 instead mm-hmm. of 5. Uh, and uh, they wanted to pick something that was a little bit more um, popular and accessible. But they also want to keep it a little artsy, so they went District 9 instead. Well, I agree with that. Discussion. I mean, these, this is this is right? the, this is the talk on the town. This is not. Yes. You've heard this from confirmed. your friend. From your friend. From my talk my friends. Yeah. My friends told rhymes, me that. Rhymes a little bit with Shmimero del Toro, perhaps. Was I not supposed to say that in the podcast? We have to end this episode. We can't. <laughs> we I have can't, to call. Cannot, I have to call Guillermo. <laughs> we cannot release Mike, this. Mike, we, Mike we what do you? What do you mean? We, oh Jesus. <laughs> Oh I don't my know. Goodness. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty good. He does kind of sound like that, but that kind of makes it worse. I also kind of look like him. So maybe you do. I, that's maybe that's I the other thing. I was like, hey, boy, oh boy. Am I looking? Am I you just have your beard's too big. Right you have to have a cute little beard, like you. He does have a cute little beard. Cute and he has little, the little round glasses too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, and I he's... love, I love monsters. <laughs> Ew. See, I guess it is bad. Neither <laughs> of us are allowed to I do it. I'm trying to take. I'm trying to take some of the backlash from you. Like when the fish fucks. He uh, does. He does like when the fish fucks. Or maybe he doesn't. And he's like, I hated putting that in the movie, but I had to. The studios the studios told me the, that the <laughs> fish had to fuck the lady. I would, at first they were just going to get dinner like normal. They were just like, going to be friends. Normal stuff. <laughs> good friends that held hands and, and, and oh, talked about their that. feelings. I love that idea. And the studios were just like the big wigs came in, just puffing, sucking down their sucking cigars, sucking a cigar, putting like, it out on the on the reels, on the dailies for the day. And like, now, ah, you know, Guillermo. Now listen here, G uh, G G G D T. You're gonna need that. You, we're gonna have to make sure that this fish man fucks it. Okay, but please don't make my my crimson movie about a fucking. Or they probably would have already made his crimson. What's his next movie he's making? Is that about fucking robots his, or monsters? His, his next movie? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, I mean, he wrote the, he wrote uh, quotes around it. Wrote the the witches movie that's just dropped on HBO not too long ago. Yeah, I feel like he 
he has been attached to like so many projects that just like fall through the cracks and just never get made i mean yeah that's i I know that happens to a lot of people in in that in that industry but i remember there was like i feel like 10 years it was just like whoa isn't that crazy Guillermo del Toro was making oh it didn't happen oh yo isn't that crazy oh it's not that one okay you know i don't pay attention anymore unless it's hellboy 3 i mean we're not getting that unless we do i mean with not with that attitude that would be really cool so we would just forget that the we already have forgotten that the other one came out last year. The, um, yep. <laughs> so we, so we have good. Okay. We can watch it one of these days. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Oh, so yeah, I want, I, I was wondering uh-huh. briefly or not so briefly. Uh, how, how do you think, you know, where, where do you think Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness is a poem from, from this movie in any way you think is it pulling from more just lovecraft proper like what do you think uh what do you think is going on there i mean i think they're just doing multiverse of madness you think, sounds you think very it's comic just, you think it's just in the name because I, I don't know even the fonts like similar to mm-hmm. like in like little, like like kind of like lovecraft stuff. it's yeah. very possible yeah. man they could they get they could get fucking freaky with it i mean i guess i guess the way you would, that, it would be meta right that's yeah. what you would really pull from it a lot of that psychedelic, you know, 70s um, fair that, like, they're kind of taking Doctor Strange from and kind of around the birth of, like, all those different cosmic multiverse ideas. The, the Jack Kirby. Yeah, uh, they're, they're, yeah, they're very kind of Lovecraftian. Like, they're kind of, like, but that's why Kirby had such, like, a like a skill. He was able to kind of take these unnerving things, like like, Lovecraftian images and make them kind of cool and colorful and kind of twist them around. So... Yeah, it's very possible that they're pulling some direct stuff. Hey, Lovecraft is hot right now. Lovecraft is hot. Or at least his ideas are. He's, you know, people people remember that he sucks. Mm-hmm. The 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 big wigs are coming out and they got the cigars and they're just like Cthulhu needs to fuck. Make make him fuck, please. Who's he gonna they they're chomping on it and like the ash is like falling from the tip who's, of the cigar. Who's the girl Cthulhu meets in Act One who by the end of it they make kiss? Just tell me a fucking name. Who is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, of course. I'd watch that. Could happen. Could happen. Well, I'm excited. Sam, Sam Raimi's making it, so who fucking knows how weird it's gonna get. That's what I'm saying. Like, is like I'm like, is it like a Sam Raimi? inspired by a carpenter trying to be like there's a lot of you know if we're making a stew it sounds like i mean it's 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 also you know it's based off of you know like scott derrickson uh their script and uh i forget his name something cargill uh Mm -hmm. yeah 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 like they're they're like writing partners and stuff like that they've made like twisted shit like sinister and stuff they 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 did the first doctor strange so it's like yeah like they, they could probably get a little fucking weird I mean, they got horror roots, so it's possible that maybe that's the way they wanted to go. Maybe they wanted to make it too scary, and that's that's why they got a kick to the curb, man. Which fucking I mean, sucks. Yeah, I would have liked to see them do it. I'm also excited to see Sam Raimi do it, so, you know, I'm not... Well, that's how you keep everybody happy, I guess. Even those guys gotta be pretty excited about Sam Raimi directing a... I mean, and, the at way... least they didn't hire the guy that made Bring It On to replace him. Which I love Peyton Reed and Ant-Man, and those movies are good, so... I like the second one more. The first one didn't do it for me, but that's fine. That's the thing about that's the thing about the Marvel movies. There's a lot of different ice cream to choose from. You know, you don't have to like them all. As long as you don't like Thor two or Iron Man two. I don't know what flavor pistachio is. Pistachio ice cream. I don't think I've ever had pistachio ice cream. What's a bad ice cream? Are you asking me? I thought you were going on a. On a I was thing. asking. I was asking the audience. Oh, okay. <laughs> right so in. Whatever, right in with your least favorite ice yeah. cream flavor at StoryScreenPeak.com. Whatever. Us. Whatever. Who's listening right now? Just said out loud when you asked that question. I agree with them. That's. Wow. That's uh, what was the question again? What's the worst ice cream? What's, What's the, the worst be- ice cream flavor? What's the oh, shittiest okay. one? I agree with what the listener said. Yeah, you don't have. Yeah. Sheep. Yep. Your, your soup. I'm loyal to my fans. 
Who, who listens? Tell me who listens to this. You tell me right now. I have cowards. no. I have you no cow, idea. You cow. You cowards. Fuck. Am I doing this for nobody? You cowards. But, tell me right now who listens to this fucking podcast. The money. The money comes in. The the podcasts get posted. They get listened to, and I'm like, all right. They have. I. You must at me, whoever you are. It's crazy. I'm losing my mind. I'm like uh, Sam Neill in that movie we're talking about. Um, the Memoirs of a Miserable Man. <laughs> Well, this really fucking. <laughs> All right, let's let's put it back on the tracks for a second here. Charlton Heston is in this movie. Mouth of Madness. Who's yes. who's he in this movie? He plays he the play? uh, he plays like the publisher dude, like the the guy who's like, I sent you out there like three weeks oh, ago. Oh yeah, you already brought the book back a year ago, yeah. which I'm revealing now <laughs> during this whole conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun. He's cool. He's fun. Yeah. Uh, Francis Francis Bay, uh, who is most recognizable by some as the uh, grandma from Happy Gilmore. Oh, is, is the, she the grandma in the? Or I, I say she's the older woman in the. She's the older hotel. woman in the hotel. Yeah, she owns That's the hotel. Good. She's the owner of the hotel. Yes. Respect. Uh, we already went over Hayden Christensen. That's a fun one. You know, there's uh, there's some there's some good folks in here, man. There's uh, there's some good folks. Where, where do you, where do you think this movie sits in, in the conversation outside of your own opinions with Carpenter movies? I think this is a maligned one at the time. Uh, although even back in '95, like it got some like pretty good reviews. Um, yeah. It's definitely one of the more um, rediscovered and kind of like reappraised uh in the past like five years where people have been kind of like you know you get yourself a blu-ray uh released by shout factory uh you know like then that kind of like it puts a little bit more of a spotlight on you and they've they've become really big like tastemakers like that you get a steel book of this bad boy it's the new it's the new bad boy you know it's like that's that's got you get you get a mondo vinyl of this motherfucker Mm -hmm. i really liked a lot of the artwork in it i know it is very uh designed after lovecraft covers and stuff like that but i i really i very much liked a lot of the the book artwork in the the movie i thought it was very cool yeah it's it's a really fun cool movie and i think that it's the fact that it comes from somebody like carpenter who really hasn't done too much like this before like there's a little bit of the dna of his other movies in certain parts of this movie but this is just like a really wacky insane movie but in a much different way than other movies that John Carpenter has made deal with insanity. I mean, I think, you know, he's been inspired by Lovecraft early on in his career, before his career. I don't know. It it seems like those elements are there, but it's cool to see him actually like be given the reins to, you know, this mythos and this, and this type of storytelling without having to be like, it's not inspired by it's is, you know? So it's cool. It's cool to see that. It's it's a it's a fun idea. Like, what if Stephen? What if like Stephen King started writing like H.P. Lovecraft inspired novels and stuff? And he did so much research and dug so deep into it that he accidentally unlocked the gates between realities. And the more people that bought his books because he's so famous, the more insane the world went. Like, it's yeah. saying a lot about how culture like takes in media, like much like you were talking about before, and just how mm. how uh, different. Uh, forms of media can influence different people to do different things there's especially in 95 like this is kind of talking about a lot of stuff that people were kind of like is the media making people do certain things or stuff like that it's yeah. it's it's really cool that all of this interesting meat is like is shown to you there on the bone but carpenter doesn't really i think waste his time on really delving into it he's like no mo- no i just want you to think about that and uh i'm gonna have fun with my animatronics and guys and like weird oily rubbed up suits well i think because you know i think in some ways the or in many ways the movie is also about you know as critical as it is on the consumer of the story it's 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 critical of the the creator and the god complex of of the the you know the author and the artist and you know i'm sure i'm not sure at this point in this career in his career i assume he was uh you know carpenter's like he's he's um you know, you you've talked to kids where they're like, "Have you seen this Carpenter movie?" Shrump. They push up their glasses and they're like, you know, schnobby about it. Like he's he's a film school guy. He's cool. You know, he's he's someone who can be in like he can hold his own in like pretentious film conversations. You mm-hmm. 
So he might have some, which I, I, you know, I don't think he's probably sees himself that way, but maybe he, you know, he can, I think when you're that famous and that popular, there has to be some weight on you and you're probably just like a regular dude, but like, you know, there's this, uh, projection upon you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think the movie is very much, uh, dealing with that. But then what if, what if someone who kind of like let their, let their ego kind of like become reality, that's that's awesome. what that's what's happening in the film. Awesome, you know? yeah, totally, yeah. It's a fucking it's, a, it's, it's cool. a it's a fun, wild little movie, and it's also just really fun to watch. Yeah, I also you know John Carpenter, the king of hour and a half long movies. He's king, the man. Just love it. Yeah, he's a I legend. The best. Well, I think that was a good time to move on over to our next movie, 1995's Village of the Damned. How do you feel about this one? This is a silly fucking movie. It is silly. Not my favorite. Uh, I still like it. I think there's some I real good cool. stuff. No, I in think there. it's. Yeah. I think it's cool. I was watching um, with Kirsten. She was. She was reacting to it very ah. much. Yeah. A lot. Of, every time someone like drove into a thing and exploded, which is like I don't know, like a six lot. or seven times. Yeah. It's like she's like, oh my god. I'm like, yeah, happened again. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. What the fuck? That's kind of like I think I literally said that like that out loud when the uh, when the wife jumps off the the wife yeah like as if you know which one I'm talking about. They're all, uh, when, they're when, all when Christopher wives, Reeve, they? when Christopher Reeves' wife jumps off the cliff. Oh yeah, that was fucked up. And it's and I was just like, oh my god, oh my god, he's not gonna like that. It's gonna be sad. And he's sad the rest of the movie, rightfully. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought this movie was cool. cool. I thought it was, it was cool. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, in terms of, you know, my John Carpenter alien movies, it, it, it's not that high on the list. No. Um, it's yeah, got to be the very, thing and, and Starman are, are way higher for yeah. me. Yeah, this Village of the Damned has a very made-for-TV feel, but it looks I was going to ask you, I'm like, is this but a it's TV got a, it, movie? It, it's got a very, like, the lighting, because most of the stuff really takes place during the day, up until towards the end. It, things are very, kind of, just like, there's a lot of shock value involved. Like, really, Carpenter is just kind of getting his yayas out by creating these scenes where people are killing themselves and committing suicide in very weird ways. The broomstick is, like, one of the craziest fucking things I've ever that seen. That was good. Because you, you see him doing it, and you're like... Is this motherfucker just gonna jump? Oh, yeah, it's, it's like, well, I was just like, it's how a is very, gonna, oh my god moment. I was like, realistically, how is he gonna impale himself with his broomstick? Even when he's on the top of the building, I'm just like, I don't fucking buy this. By but the magic the car, of movies. And I was like, hmm, okay. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, how did yeah. she say it? I can't. She Come was on. Like, Oh my! Oh my God! Oh my like, God! Oh my God! Oh my God! I think that's how she said it. When uh, when you see the uh, when you see like the little baby, the one that died, and it's like in the thing. I got that spoiled for me because I was like on IMDb looking at stuff, and they have this still image, and, I, ass, and that, I saw it like bitch. way before. I was like, "Yo, that what the fuck?" Because that you're shit, you're like, like, "Oh my, my God!" I was like, "Oh my, oh my God. God!" Um. That baby's weird. Yeah, weird baby in there. There's a weird baby. It's I saw that. Baby. I freaked out. What what did what did you say when you saw a certain a certain actor portraying a, a certain young oh, a certain so she, young I child? Mean, she she had nothing to say. I was like, oh my like, god, oh my god, is that is that? Well, I was like that that baby that the baby the child. <laughs> that child has beautiful eyes. Who who is this child? Who's and then I, I looked it up and I was like. It is. Oh my God, it is Smith! I actually, for for a second, when I was looking up, I was like, "Oh, is it?" I, I forgot if his name was. I thought his name was David in Kaboom for a minute. Mm-mm. Then I was like, "Oh, it's Smith," because I was like, "Maybe, maybe this is a prequel mm-hmm. to Kaboom." Well, and so for everybody at home that is not a complete fucking idiot, insane person, uh, <laughs> we are of course talking about Thomas Decker, um, who portrayed the character Smith in one of Robbie's favorite movies, Kaboom. This is true. Uh, and he also played John Connor in the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Oh, yeah. But more famously, Kaboom. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I know that was hard to give give to me. <laughs> and, of course, we also have a very famous person. We have Christopher Reeve as yes. one of the main characters. who Superman. We all know as the mustacheless Superman. 
Never had a mustache. Never had a mustache. Never had a mustache, this one. Nope. Nope. You made uh, him have a mustache. That's a nice canteen you got there. Thank you. Sorry it's making some noise on No, me. it's nice. It's got a little poochie on it. Yeah, poochie. Uh, I voted sicker. Uh, the big mouth uh, hippo. Uh-huh. For the locals out there. That's yeah. uh, Decora. He makes music. That's his uh, phone number, maybe? Yeah, know. this is good. Uh, this is a uh, this is a colorful woman of color uh-huh. um, in this like psychedelic. These are the stickers on my canteen. Oh my god! Uh, this is a I am a. I think that's it. That's all. Wow! Thank you so much for sharing that with me. You're such a good yeah. friend. I I wish the listeners could could see it, <laughs> but you know. Yeah, Village oh of the Dead. Oh my god! It's Christopher oh Reeve. It's Christopher uh, Reeve. Mayor, Mayor uh, Salinger's also in the movie. This is uh, one of Christopher. This is a uh, technically Christopher Reeve's last uh, film. I was going to say because he passes away in two thousand four. He passes away in two thousand four, but in nineteen ninety five, ninety six, he he is has the accident in ninety five. I believe, yeah, he has the accident, which really that's so crazy. As that. as fun a fact as you're going to get associated with something like that tragedy, Ooh. <laughs> I fell off of a horse as what, a child. Time? The same exact day that that happened. No. This is a wild thing. This is, I was. So did, did God just roll the dice? He's like, I, one I or know. the other. I and I, I, never mean, I never mean to like, you know, lessen the insane tragedy that that is because it it's is. fucking nuts. We lost, we, we didn't lose the legend that day, but that was just like, you know, no more Superman movies. This guy was such a good guy and such a great actor and he right. was really breaking through. Like it's just, it really just sucks in every way. But it was, I was nine years old. I was at like some kind of like county fair type deal. I was on like a, like a pony or something. So he was on a horse. I was on a pony. I was nine. But you were small. I was small. I had to be. And uh, I didn't hold on correctly. It wasn't like the horse was like running. I just like slipped off and fell and fell. And then like the next day, like the news broke about him falling and stuff. And it was like, that's wild. Last time I'm riding a horse, tell you that right now. It was. It was. Them. Who needs to ride horses though? Anyway, they should uh, be free. I'll ride horses when I like start to get bored and shit. Whenever that happens, that's just like when that when that does happen. I'll say, when you see yeah. me riding a horse, you know, like I've kind of run out of things to do. It's like, oh, I guess pretty, pretty, pretty fucking bored. He's that, sleeping on that horse. Is that birds on a horse? Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, Kirstie Alley's in this movie. I don't know who that is. She plays the the uh, maybe bad guy doctor. Is she a bad guy? I guess the, the movie kind of positions her, and then to it forgets. Be... Yeah, because it's like well, because at like, first well, she's just like, she's like, I'm like the kid. Yeah, that's true. Well, she, you know, her thing was just like, we'll give you money and we'll study the kids, which mm. to me seems like a transaction that yeah. makes sense. It's kind of like what the movie did with Kirstie Alley. Sure, you we'll, do get, we'll give you money. We'll give you money, <laughs> and you be in the movie. And she's like, "Okay." She's in it. She's she's acting. There's so many times they just. There's so many shots of them walking out of the clinic door. Yeah, it's so funny. It's creepy. I remember ass fucking the, kids walking around like that, and they're like, "People are leaving town," and I'm like, "No shit, they're leaving town." Yeah, Look I bet, at this fucking. Yeah, it's a nightmare. Oh my god. Oh my god. I you know one of the things I did like is that the movie like. Everyone knew that the kids were weird, and they were just trying to see if they can make it work. It wasn't. That's, it like, wasn't that's like a, that's a fun hook of it. That's a cool, yeah. Because like you know, you would you think the movie once you like see where it's going, you're like everyone's gonna be in denial. They're like these kids. No, that we can make them not fucking yeah. weird. Yeah. They're just like no, this is weird. This is weird from the jump. But they are giving us three thousand dollars a month, which mm-hmm. you know. And they oh don't really spend God. too much time in like you know the how do I reach these kids. Uh, like kids. what would yeah. obviously be like the middle of this movie like you'd have the setup and the mystery and all this stuff and we're gonna pay you to do this yeah. and then you would slowly see everybody start to realize oh my goodness these kids are fucked up but really oh they take care of it in like three scenes yeah you know and the the boiling soup uh scene is oh horrendous God, so for me up. when she tries to go back when she's like i have to get my I have to get my arm back in there it's like yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's fucked up yeah, I would say that and the broom suicide mm-hmm. are the are the most. Impactful. I guess well, I'd she, love too that janitor just showed him was like, 
time to go fucking talk some smack to these kids. Yeah, yeah it's just like... That are known for murdering people in town that he's hurt like, them. He's like, what are you guys going to do? Something? And they're like, um... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we do this we, to people who don't antagonize that's us. That's what we do. We kill. You just smacked my boy in the head with a broom. We don't like that. We all feel that. Yeah. We all, we all when you do that, you fuck with all of us. We yeah. don't like that. You fucking idiot. Maybe he yeah. wanted to die. I don't know. He went in I, there. He, he went in there. Hot. Hot. Yeah. Hot. He was just like, let me fucking. He's fuck like, he was like uh, someone who doesn't like The Last Jedi on Twitter, just like kind of just looking for a searching like in the bar like the last jedi tag i would find somebody who likes it and she, mm. just fucking just fuck them fuck them up uh hot take real quick grogu you don't like it i think do it's you fine. do you think that people that don't like the last jedi should legally not be allowed to watch the mandalorian yes right i was thinking about that the other day i think so but they've got some weird twisted thing where they're like no the mandalorian is what we wanted last jedi to be and it's like no, Mandalorian is th- that's the, it's the same it's the same fucking thing. It's heightening it, it's expanding it, it's bringing it out there. I mean, Mandalorian is cool and but in much more I, I, in much more baby I, way. We've agreed. I on think this. I have I have some friends who dismiss Clone Wars and Rebels. They love Mandalorian. I think they shouldn't be allowed to watch Mandalorian because I watch Clone Wars and I watch Rebels and I appreciate them as yeah. as the greater as the Dave Filoni masterpieces they are. Mm-hmm. And now he's doing Mandalorian which is probably just like the thing he's always wanted to do, mm-hmm. but he had to be in cartoon he had to fuck off in cartoon land this entire time. Mm-hmm. And now he's doing the big now he's doing big boy stuff, not cartoon. So pretty much anyone who disagrees with us shouldn't be allowed to watch the good thing. Yes. Yes. I yes. agree. I agree. Yeah, like you shouldn't be able to watch They Live if you don't like Memoirs of Invisible Man. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! What's what you know? What was in, in Last Black Man in San Francisco? You're you're not allowed to love it, or you're not allowed to hate it if you don't love it. You know? Yeah. Speaking of which, that's it. Mark Hamill. He's fun. Didn't you like that? I like that he was so much more toned down than the last time we saw him. Very. Yeah, I was like, cool. Which I know, like, you know, in Body Bags, he was not being directed by Carpenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's I don't so even just... remember it. Did we even see, cover that? So, we didn't even really cover that episode no. because it wasn't Carpenter. We igno- well, we acknowledged that, like, it was like, it was fucking weird. Because uh, it was not that good. Mm-hmm. There were some things, like, you know, seeing, like, Mark Hamill's balls was fun enough, but... It's fun. It's fun. That's never fun. not fun. Yeah, that is fun. And that did not get old, but um, yeah. Otherwise, that episode fucking sucked. Uh, but Mark Hamill's great in this. He plays a he plays a good old classic. You know, the priest who's kind of like, you know what? I don't know about these the, these fucking kids. I mm, mm, and then he like tries to snipe one down, and then he gets he's, he get, he he's gets, another he gets fucking murked from behind because he's not he's not fucking paying attention to his. It's six. crazy how like none of the movies or not the movies, none of the like. There's so many of the characters who you'd be like. They're gonna try and normalize the kids. They're gonna try and stick up for the kids. Oh no, not no. He's gonna he's gonna try and kill them. He's gonna try and like which he could them. just he could leave. Well, you know, and this is like kind of the is thing. There, is like a yeah, lot of people leave. Like that's kind of the okay. fun thing about this movie where it kind of skips over the entire kind of like almost like the second act that you would get in a movie like this, and then just kind of like settles down into like a very meandering third act like for the yeah. rest of the movie which i think is one of the problems of it is that it there's just really no there's no stakes in the movie up until when you find out oh there's been other communities and they've all been blown up and yeah. now this is the last one and then you get that amazing like bomb thing with the brick wall which i think alone puts that this movie cool. in the hall of fame like that's so fucking good that scene is very cool. And then when she's breaking it down and doing the stuff, I was just like, this yeah. is very cool. But, like, like up until that yeah. point, like, you don't really get any of that stuff where it's like, you know, you don't... It's just like, like you Omen, get a couple it's scenes. It's like Omen, but a squad. You yeah. know, it's like, the, like you, it's like Omen, the squad. Like, I don't know. You get, you get Christopher Reeve trying to teach the, these kids... Uh, um, I like that. I like that idea. But like, you don't really get them in school beforehand. Like, yeah. you hear about it, and like, ah, oh, they're freaking the fucking kids out, so they got to be taken out of school. Like, I feel like there's a lot of this movie that was either written in the script or even shot that was just kind of scrubbed because they were just like, you know what? This is the '90s. Everybody knows that these kids are fucking creepy. They're creepy in the trailer. They're creepy on the poster. They look fucking creepy. Let's just get to the creepy kid shit. Like, I think that that's yeah. kind of what maybe their mentality was. 
I just think like you know I would I, you know David's an interesting character because you see him he's he's learning what empathy is which is is we learn that the movie is positing the philosophy that that empathy is is one of the things that we as a society need to survive. So to be to be a society without em- empathy would mean that you would lead yourself to destruction. And seeing that character grapple with morality is very interesting. But I also thought like the the way they springboarded that was like, oh, you lost your mate, so now you will feel empathy. Now you know because you don't have your alien mate, which is like kind of cool, but like weird. But just because it's not like I don't think properly. It's like interest. It's like an interesting, like yes, that is kind of interesting, but it's not like handled super gracefully. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the general idea is like to have empathy. You need to know, like, you need to Lost. feel a little incomplete, and that's kind of like who we all are. That's why everybody is kind of struggling with their own different like things. Like, oh, he's obsessed with his work. Oh. They like she think he thinks that she's having an affair, which is why she's pregnant. I mean, all the cool stuff in the beginning too, with the entire town falling asleep, and anybody who that's walks cool. past a certain line like passes out. It's really fucking cool. It's that's done cool in stuff. a way that's believable and did not cost much money. You just have a bunch of people falling down. I love the kind of trick too, which I think is super edge core for 1995 to introduce who you would believe. Like you'd never seen this movie before. You knew nothing about it. Yeah, the guy like the the guy that gets killed in the beginning in the car crash driving. Did you think he oh, was, was like one of the main deal. characters? Right, like you're like, oh, this is. One I of didn't the... think he was gonna not be in the movie anymore. I'll tell right, you that. exactly. You're like, oh, yeah. this is one of the dudes, and then they're just like, nah, he dead. Nah, he gone now. I'll quit smoking cigarettes when you get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things again. Like on a, con- there's a lot of like conceptual thing. Like the big concept of the movie is like okay there's a lot of like mini concepts in there that are really interesting like character concepts like you know like how you deal with having an alien son how you deal like you know but i just think that like yeah i I think overall it was hard for me to be fully invested because like they had the big stakes figured out well before like any of the little stakes or like you know character you know we didn't get to really know exactly i I didn't feel any like big attachment to a lot of you you lose all that there's there's setup and there's execution of like what the movie's gonna be, and then they really just kind of break into yeah. like, all right, now let's do like a death every ten minutes, and it's gonna be gruesome and fun, and we'll do all and this that's stuff. The thing, like, we'll do a little know, bit of exposition so that the ending makes sense. And now, although that ending with it's like the army versus the state troopers versus the police, and it's just a bunch of people just blowing I thought each other cooler. away. I, like as cool as I thought that was, I thought it would have been cooler if like they're all out of their vehicles and then they all unanimously just like killed themselves i just love them killing each other because it's i mean it's it's, it's still cool there's, yeah it's like an image that you don't usually see where it's like people sure. in camo taking out state troopers and policemen like and them firing back like it's pretty fucking hey, wild stuff that's fair i buy that there's something being said there and i'm i don't know exactly don't what know. it is but like i think it's <coughs> yeah there it is oh my god yeah. oh, my god. oh my god yeah i think for a movie where like the the thematic backbone is like empathy to to see just like random people die every 10 minutes like doesn't really reinforce that to me you know because they do do a good job of like establishing a lot of character motivators in act one and then they give us this insane premise and then in act two they're far more concerned with the premise than they are with kind of like you know what the arcs of the characters could be Mm -hmm. because the arc ends up being like so I guess he can't take care of these kids, huh? He couldn't reach these kids. Can't reach these kids, so couldn't I guess reach he got to blow them up. They gotta blow them up. I mean, it's it. I'm a doctor. I made a mind palace to protect myself. It's so fucking cool. It's the coolest fucking. It's thing. cool. I where just think like, getting getting there's just weird. It it's is fucking, cool. Oh, yeah, it's super practice, fucking yeah. weird, but it's like yeah. where he's just like it's a brick wall, and she's like, I see a brick wall, and she's like getting stronger and stronger. And you see the bag and you know what's going on. And then it's like, oh, 10 seconds left. And then there's that amazing yeah. zoom in shot on the bag. And it hollows out like Hitchcock where you just see the, I was, you yeah. see like a bomb where it's like, what did he build that out of a bucket? But it's just, it's great. It's like a weird, it's like a weird play on the Hitchcock bomb thing. Cause Very it's much. like, you know, I, cause we as the audience know there's a bomb there, of course. But yes. then like a character to like forcibly break all the barriers to also find the bomb. Like it's very cool. It's cool. I just, you know, again, like in this in this stew, 
for this allegory. Like, the stew is cool. It has, like, you know, some really good... I'm watching a lot of MasterChef. The yeah. stew has some delicious flavor. But overall, as a dish, it is not uh, super cohesive. No, so, you know? So it tastes like somebody, like, dipped their hand in it for, like, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my oh God. That has to hurt. Um, yeah, overall, Village of the Dead, it's it's one of those mannerisms, it's like, fine. it's uh, it's like what we've said before that, but this might be one of the biggest examples, and it kind of is, like, a little bit of a break into some more stuff that we're about to hit as we go into the late 90s, but it very much is, like, a bad John Carpenter movie is still a pretty good movie, you know, it's like, it's got yeah. its problems, it's not a perfect movie, it's an hour and a half, it's got some good music, uh, it's got some great dialogue, some character moments, and it's shot fucking really cool. Like, you're always going to have those kind of basic things, because I don't think Carpenter really is able to do those. Like, Escape from L.A., which we're going to cover in the next episode, is a terrain wreck of a movie, if ever there was one. But fuck you if it doesn't look cool. Like, yeah. it looks, sometimes it looks too cool, where you're like, that looks silly as fuck because it's so fucking cool. I'm excited for that. That's gonna be excited a good for that. Yeah, Village of the Dam. It's fine. I like, I enjoy talking C about plus. it. C plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get C, it. C plus. Cannot. I cannot in good conscience give it a give it a B minus. I cannot. Mm-mm. I cannot. What do you think is gonna happen to Mandalorian this week? They're gonna put that baby on the rock. Spoilers for Mandalorian. Do you think Sebastian Stan they're gonna they're gonna have him be Luke Skywalker in uh, the show? Wouldn't that be fucking cool? Or is that too much for you? I think it'd be cool. You don't like it? You don't like the idea? No, I just love you talking, <laughs> talking this stuff. We should just do a, a show that's just you talking about pop culture and whatever you want to talk about with no one else talking back. It I think the, be... just the entire episode would be me. Uh, like, so I don't know the name of this person, but it's, you know, he's in, no. uh, he's in the, and you're just asking the listener questions. You're just like, well, what do you think about, maybe I'll just take, think? I'll just take your audio from this and I'll remove, That's all my, I'll That's remove all mine. Be. I'll remove mine. And it's just you talking to the listener. I just think, it, you know, I'd like to see Luke Skywalker in Mandalorian in some capacity. Sebastian Stan as Luke Skywalker would be really cool. Well, we already talked about this. I mean, spoiler alert, but like, you know. Spoilers. Mandalorian is uh, Palpatine's grandson. We already talked oh, about this. That's true. Yeah. It's what it is. He's uh, Ray's father. It's what it is. Mando Palpatine. Yeah. The, the, the second. Mm-hmm. Village, I can't believe Village they, they the put dance, that yeah. fucking... They put the fucking Kylo Ren helmet back together in Rise of Skywalker. I was it. thinking about that the other day, and I was like, what? Who? What dumb fucking idiot does that? Yeah. Jade. Remember when... Uh, Jade, when Jade Jonah Jameson Remember when does. Ray had, like, the little sharp teeth? <laughs> Remember oh, when yeah. she was like? Remember when she was like? She bilbo. She bilbo's she out. She's like yeah. fucking step. Don't. I'll fucking. I'll get you. Yeah. Well, we got Bob and Frick though, so you take the gear. Oh God! You know. You know what? In the some way, fuck machine. In some way, Babu Frick is the worst part of Rise of Skywalker because he's so good. Because he's what makes it like you need to watch it. Like Babu yeah. Frick only exists. In Rise of Skywalker, so you have to watch Rise of Skywalker if you want that frick action. If you want to get fricked, and yeah, if you want to get fricked, and I want, I I'm always trying to get fricked. I'm D, I'm DTF. I'm DTF. I'm down to frick, man. Yeah, down to frick anytime. But I have to watch Rise of Skywalker to do it, and so that I think it's a fact, inarguably, makes him the would, worst I part. Never, yeah. He's yeah. it's kind of like a betrayal. I guess it's not his fault. He doesn't know how fucking good he is, and that's one of the things that makes him so good. He's very humble. He is a very humble frick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh my yep. god! Uh, so that's oh uh, that's our episode god. on in the mouth of madness of Village of the Damned, ending on a bang as always. always. Um, Robbie, thank you for joining me, listeners. Thank you for listening. Um, thank you. If you're listening to this on the exclusive channel, thank you so much for supporting. We really appreciate it. It's helping us make some upgrades behind the scenes, and hopefully you'll be seeing more and more of the of the fruits of that labor coming out soon. Uh, we got some really cool videos up on YouTube that you can go check out. 
Uh, if you're listening to this uh, some point in the distant future when we've released it onto our mainstream, follow us on all the stuff. It's all in the description. You can find it. I'm not going to waste everybody else's time on the exclusive content with this stuff. But thank you guys so much for supporting. Thank you so much for listening. Next week. Oh, next week. <laughs> next I was month. Like, I'm sorry. What? No, 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 no. We got to take some time with these. Um, we're, we're coming towards the end. We got two more episodes left for movies. Next week, we're going to be covering uh, Escape from L.A. and Vampires, starring teen heartthrob James Woods. James Ooh. Woods. It's James Woods. James we don't like Woods. him anymore, right? He's not, Say he's like not that. a good guy. Say James Woods. James Woods. Yeah. Well, no, okay. people don't really like him too much anymore, but yeah, well, I don't think yeah. he ever liked himself, and that's kind of the problem. Oh. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, that's how they get you. Yeah. You don't love yourself. All right. What are you going to do? Well, we'll see you guys next time on that episode. And until then, Grogu. Grogu. Yeah.